Now the question this morning is this, what is important? Get that question firmly implanted in your mind. What is important? The word important, I looked up some definitions and I found this one. It is something which is of significant worth or consequence. Now, we think many things are important, don't we? And it is so. Many things are important. But what we're thinking about here this morning is something that is of the greatest worth or consequence. In other words, in relation to this, everything else just pales in the background and goes to nothing. Because this is the only thing of consequence here and the only thing of significant worth. Uh, our jobs are important. You men and some of you ladies work on jobs, that's important because those jobs provide sustenance and comfort for our loved ones. And that's right. Our families are important because they're our companions and they're the objects of our love. And that's right. I, I like that. Our houses, the house you live in, is important because that house protects you from the elements and shuts you and your family up from those who would do you harm. That's important. Our health is important because nobody likes to hurt, uh, least of all myself. I don't like to hurt, so our health is important. The country in which we live, the good old USA, is very important because we enjoy freedoms here that no one else in the world has. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. And friends are important. I love my friends. And I suppose in this church, this family right here, I have some of the closest friends that I've ever had in my life. A man doesn't have many friends, but I have some here. In fact, I have some here that I've composed a poem to. This is for my friends. The kind of friend you've been to me is the type of friend I would be to thee. Your faithful spirit, your radiant face, has added just a touch of grace. When trouble, when troubles come and things look drear, twas then your helpfulness would cheer. Never a murmur, always a smile. Friends like that are sure worthwhile. So gladly a friend I would be to thee. Yes, the kind of friend you've been to me. And that's from me to you, my friends. And I do have some choice friends in this place for which I am grateful. So all of these things are of significant Value jobs, families, houses, health, country, friends, all of these things are important. But think about this. Are you thinking? I know you are. I can hear you thinking. Think on this. All 
all of these things have to do with what? 60 or 70 years at the most. At the very most. Unless God were to add another 10 or another 20, sometime he does that. But all of these things are, will be gone, gone. And we can't hardly think in this realm. Think of eternity. Can you think of eternity? Everything else fades into nothingness as we think of that which has no end. Is it true? Is there really eternity which has no end? Do you really believe that? Are we eternal beings? Do you really believe that? Eternity, no end, shall never see end. And all of these things we've talked about will end at the cessation of this life right here. 60, 70 years at the most. I've already used up most of mine. And many of you have used up at least half or more of your appointed time on this earth and then it's gone. And so what is important well, we've talked about friends. Well, let's talk about the friendship this morning that is of utmost significance and consequence, that friendship which Abraham possessed. He was called, of all things, the friend of God. Why was he called the friend of God? Because he was God's friend. And he showed it in his life the title of friend of God. That's greatly beyond all the names of greatness. You can be a king, you can be a president, you can be anything in this world, but the one title that we ought to strive after is the one Abraham was said to have, that is friend of God, because everything else is vanity compared to being God's friend. What is important? Being God's friend. I wonder how many here know this matchless friendship. Abraham was called the friend of God. And people say, well, that was Abraham. He was different from us. Well, I beg your pardon. Abraham was an idolater. He worshipped idols in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And when God brought him out, he brought him out of idol worship, same place he brought you out of. You were an idolater. You may not have worshipped a totem pole or a statue, but you worshipped something. And God has to bring us out of out of idolatry. Abraham was not different from us. Now I want you to look at John chapter 15, verse 14. Here's our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 14. Now we talked about Abraham, and perhaps you say, well, Abraham was God's friend, but I can't be. Why, sure you can. Look at this. The Lord Jesus said in John 15, verse 14, You are my friends. 
if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants. I'm not going to call you servants anymore, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. I have called you my friends. Now the Lord Jesus says to people here this morning, I have called you my friends, a friend of God. And he invites everyone here to live and act and be his friend. Are you a friend of God? I've heard people say, well, if I can just get to heaven, I don't care much about what I am on the way. Well, I fear you'll never get to heaven at all with that attitude. See, you have to be on the way what you will be when you arrive. You have to begin the journey here by being the friend of God. Those who are really God's friends desire to grow in grace and increase in love to God and to be near to him in this life by worship and service to our friend. What a title. Friend of God. Now I want to say three things in regard to this subject. Three things. And the first thing I want to say is this. The title, Friend of God, is a title that I just have to sit back and wonder at. I've wondered all this week. I've been in absolute wonder and astonishment before the Lord. When I think of the condescension, the fact that God would do something like this, the condescension of Almighty God who speaks of a man who was just like you and I and calls him his friend. The heavens are not pure in God's sight and God charges his angels with folly. God is holy and righteous and impeccably holy and right and just and good and merciful. And for this God to take a man and set him apart to be his friend. Isn't that a wonder? That's a wonder. Truly David asked the question in Psalm 8 verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? What sinner is worthy of the friendship of God Almighty. Are you worthy of that friendship? Why, of course not. I wonder at this. God called a man his friend. Only his grace can make it possible for any man to walk with God in companionship. And in this friendship, this great God displays his pure love. Now, why do I say that? 
because God has nothing to gain by your friendship. God did not uh, make you his friend in order to gain something. God does not need friends. You and I need friendship. I can't lead a solitary life, and I'm refreshed by the companionship and sympathy and advice of a like-minded friend, aren't you? Friends are good to have. They're encouraging. If we found a faithful friend, that friend is very valuable to us. Friendship is one of the sweetest joys of life. But listen, no such necessity is laid upon the all-sufficient God. God in himself is a whole being. He is a tri-personality, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that's fellowship enough. The fellowship of the Godhead, the, the family of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He had no need of anything else, had no need of any other friends or acquaintances, yet in infinite condescension the Lord seeks the acquaintance of his own creature and desires the friendship of Abraham. That's, that's astounding to me that he would do that. What a marvelous thing that the Creator should seek out a man and separate that man to himself and train him until he had made that man his friend. God did that. Even the angels have never reached an honor like that that he bestowed on man, the friend of God. A friendship can't be one-sided. Did you know that? You just There's just not any such thing as a one-sided friendship. While God was Abraham's friend, Abraham received and return the friendship of God. God gave Abraham his heart, and Abraham gave God his heart. It was a mutual thing between God and Abraham. God was the cause of it in his grace, but Abraham freely responded to the friendship of God. And these two were knit together in love. Not only did the Lord speak to Abraham, but he continually treated him as his friend and talked with him as his friend. Stupendous grace of the Most High, what hath the Lord on worms bestowed? called to the councils of the sky and numbered with the friends of God. That's astounding to me. You are looking this morning at a friend of God. Marvelous. Now, friendship creates a measure of equality. 
between the persons concerned. But now there's danger here. When you start talking about the friendship of God, you get into a great danger. This does not mean that absolute equality is necessary to friendship. Understand now what I'm telling you. This is very important. On this earth among men, a great king may have a good friend who is one of the least of his subjects in his kingdom, but this does not mean that they are equal in position. There can be no idea of equality between God the Lord and man the servant until we see our true relation as servants we cannot be the friends of God and this is where religion has missed it and dishonors the name of the Lord we read just a little while back our Lord Jesus said ye are my friends if if you do whatsoever I command you. And what I'm saying is this. We must keep our place or we'll never be God's friend. Understand now what I'm saying. There's a great danger here. Religion is on a buddy-buddy attitude with God now. And so they cannot be the friends of God with that attitude. The Lord came down to Abraham and lifted Abraham up so that he could see the things of God. And Abraham, when God lifted him up, even saw the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture says he was glad. But God lifted him up. And he didn't get on a buddy-buddy relationship with God Almighty just because God lifted him up and called him his friend. And anyone who has a high and mighty attitude about putting their arms around God Almighty and, and just talking to him on a buddy-buddy attitude, you are not his friend. You have a wrong idea about God. And you do despite to the relationship and therefore not the friend of God. Oh, Lord, you think about, think about the excellent loving kindness of God that he should make a man his friend. My, my, that is astonishing. Now, how did this relationship reveal itself? Well, there are several ways. First of all, the Lord often visited Abraham. You can read Genesis 18, and over and over it says, The Lord appeared unto Abram. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And so God continually visited with Abraham. Now we learn this. Friends are sure to visit one another. 
Can you have a friend and not pay a visit to that friend? Well, of course not. I go to homes. You go to home. We visit our friends. And God Almighty visited his friend Abraham. In Genesis 18, Abraham, there were three men came to the, to the tent of Abraham. And when they appeared, Abram set a table for them. And one of those was the Lord God in the manifestation of a man clothed in flesh. God did that. Came in a, in a manifestation of flesh and clothed himself because Abraham could not see God, pure God, and live, and so God clothed himself. That's the reason the Lord Jesus took the, the body to clothe Godhood in flesh that men might look upon him. God is so holy that he said, you cannot look upon me and live. And so he veils his holiness. And those three men appeared to Abraham's tent and had a visit with Abraham. And Abraham had a spot where he communed with the Lord. The scripture says Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he came and stood before the Lord. And God met with him there. Does the Lord visit you? Friends visit. I tell you right now, I'm visiting with the Lord and he's visiting with me. How about, how is it with you? Right now, God's visiting. God has come. And the Lord speaks to us here this morning. Isn't that the most marvelous, miraculous thing? That God visits with men who are his friends. My, my, he visited with Abraham. And not only did he visit with Abraham, but he made agreements with Abraham. Can you imagine God making an agreement, a covenant with a mere mortal, one of his creatures? We read many times, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. God said to Abraham, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. God made a covenant. They were bound in an immovable covenant. Abraham knew God and trusted him without suspicion. And thus there was a firm friendship between them because they made a covenant. A covenant. I can't imagine that. God, as it were, put his name on an agreement with one of his creatures. Can you imagine that? Isn't that condescension? Isn't that grace for God to do that? Amazing. And then thirdly, how do we know that this relationship existed? Well, God was moved by Abraham's influence. <laughs> now you think about this. I say what I'm about to say with a great deal of reverence 
because I realize that God has an eternal purpose. But what I'm saying is this, friends have an ear for friends. <laughs> when Abraham, in Genesis 18, you recall the story of Sodom. When Abraham pleaded with God, God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham said, Lord, wait. And he pleaded with God for Sodom, and the Lord listened patiently to what Abraham had to say, and Abraham went through all of that, and he said, if I can find 50 righteous, will you? Oh, yes, the Lord said, I'll spare it if we can find 50, 45, 40, 30, 20. They went right on down the line, and God listened and was moved by the influence of Abraham, his friend. Now Abraham spoke humbly. He said in Genesis 18, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, even I that am but dust and ashes. And yet he boldly pleads. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right if we can find some righteous people? Surely you won't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And this was a friendly appeal to the justice of God. And God heard him. He listened to him. Why? Because he was his friend. You'll listen to your friends unless you're an obstinate person who won't listen to anybody. Listen. Abraham prayed and beseeched God, and God listened to him. And if you have a friend, you sure do listen to him, don't you? I do. I like to listen to my friends. How do we know this friendship existed? Because it was always maintained. Once you have a friend, I'm talking about a friend now. I'm not talking about an acquaintance. You say, oh, he's my friend. No, now, wait a minute. If somebody is your friend, that's always maintained. The Lord never forsook Abraham even when he fell into sin. The Lord remembered him and rescued him. You remember Abram went down into Egypt and the king there looked at Abram's wife, Sarah, and he said, Boy, she's pretty. I'd like to have her and Abram whisper, Tell him you're my sister. Because if you don't tell him you're my sister, he'll kill me and take you. And that's what happened. And the Lord rescued Abraham out of that because he was his friend. And Abraham never turned aside to worship false gods. God was his friend. And a true friend is the almighty God because he's a friend forever. I sure do want him for my friend, don't you? He'll never forsake you and never leave you. He's always your friend. The infinite Sovereign majesty of all creation calls his sinful creature his friend. Oh, that you and I might be cleansed and made pure and holy so that we can rightly be called the friends of God. Do you know how, 
how that's accomplished? How can we be the friend of God? There'll be somebody here who does not as yet understand how this can take place. How is it? And so this is the second thing I want to say to the first is that God would call a man his friend is a thing to be wondered at. And now secondly, how is this accomplished? It has to be sought after. How do you seek after it? All right. First of all, you must be fully reconciled to God. You cannot remain God's enemy and be his friend. Now, all of you realize there's not, uh, surely there's not anyone here. Ah, but there might be someone here who does not realize that all men are born enemies of God. We go astray when? From the womb speaking lies. Our little babies in the nursery are speaking lies because there's the nature in them of liars. David said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so we come into the world as enemies of God. No one loves God by nature. No one is a friend of God by nature. No one. lady told me she had been a Christian all her life. That's too long. That's just too long. There is a time when if you're going to be God's friend, you must be reconciled to God. When you're conscious and, and when you're old enough to understand these things, God brings you to a place where you desire to be his friend. And something happens there. God the Spirit comes and opens your understanding. And you see yourself as vile and wicked and the enemy of God. And God puts a longing in your soul to be his friend. Oh, if I could just be God's friend. How? And you begin to think about that. How? How to be God's friend. Look at Colossians. I want to show you in one book these things about being the friend of God. And uh, if you say, well, this is old hat to us, this ain't ever old hat to me. I love to hear it over and over and over. But now somebody here does not as yet understand this. And what I'm trying to do is help you. I can't get you to, but I can help you by telling you these things. Look at the book of Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what I've been talking about. And you that were at one time, it says sometime, that's at one time, back yonder in your experience, you at one time were alienated 
and enemies in your mind by wicked works. And that's what I've been talking to you by wicked works. But now you want to know how to be reconciled to God. Look at this. The last of verse 21. Yet now hath he reconciled a reconciliation to or at enmity and a go-between comes and makes reconciliation so that the two who were at enmity are made friends. But now hath he reconciled. By what means does he reconcile to enemies? Verse 13 and 14, Colossians 1. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption. How do we have it? How can we be reconciled? We have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Do you see that? How does he reconcile? By his blood. How are sins forgiven? By his blood. The fact that he shed his blood. Enemies of God must find peace with God and be reconciled to him. Verse 20. And having what? Made peace. How did he make peace between two enemies? Having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him, by Christ, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. It's all by him. He made peace through the blood of his cross. You want to be the friend of God? This is how Abraham became God's friend. Abraham believed in Christ. He believed in the promised Redeemer. And he said, I believe God. And James said it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, the death of Christ is something that God must have in order to save you. The holiness of God must have the death of Christ. The justice of God must have the death of Christ. The law of God must have the death of the Redeemer. He died before the Lord in order to reconcile God unto sinful man. God purposed to reconcile us. He ordained to save us. He chose us in love and predestinated us in love to be redeemed. And then God sent his son into the world in order that his holiness and justice might be honored and satisfied in the life and death and obedience of his dear son. How can you be a friend of God? Bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ and own that his blood is your only hope. You don't have any hope of being reconciled to God without the death, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ justified God.
as he looks upon us in grace and mercy. Well, I say Christ justified the Father because of this. The Father cannot have anything to do with sinners. He will not have any, any uh, uh, talk or conversation or anything to do with vile sinners. Well, then how will he save them? Christ died... And now God can be just. Uh, Christ justified God in the saving of sinners because he paid the sin debt. And now in grace and mercy he deals with us as his friends. You understand that? That's just as clear as I can possibly make this great transaction that causes men to be the friends of God. You and I cannot be reconciled to God and be his friends in any other way except the blood of his cross. No other way can it be done. No other way. Seek after his friendship. Can you be, Abraham couldn't be God's friend in any other way but this. Can you be God's friend any other way besides the blood of the Lord Jesus? Well, of course not. You now hath he reconciled by the blood of his cross. Oh, I just have to preach it every time I get up here. There's somebody here that still does not understand look at it listen to it if you'd be the friend of God and then number three and I'll be through if we are to be friends of God there must be a conformity of heart and what I'm talking about here, I guess, is this. These folks that say, yes, I'm a Christian. Oh, yes, I'm God's friend. God loves me. And they're not interested in the things of God, in the book of God, in the Son of God, in the church of God. I say to you, a person like that cannot be God's friend because their hearts are not conformed with the heart of God. Listen to me. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will God accept as his friend one who despises obedience and has no delight in the gospel of Christ? The Holy Spirit must make us like God or else we cannot be friends of God. We have to be made like God and think like God. And if we do not love Jesus the Son, we cannot love the Father. If we're ruled by self, we are not the friends of God. Unless we love what God loves and hate what God hates, we cannot be his friend. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I don't know very many that attain to this that really love and revel in the Word of God and the things of God. You can be God's friend. You can be. 
and live like it in your daily life. If you do that, if you're truly his friend and you live like it, you know what men are going to say about you? He's God's friend. I wonder how many people you know who have trusted God and walked with God and been faithful to God and as a result, have been greatly favored by God to carry on in this life a great work of usefulness in the kingdom of God. This is a rare person. Why are there not more? Because people's iniquities hide God from sinful men. We could be and ought to be such people that those who know us in business or in our home or in our everyday life in any way, they would look at us and say of us, he or she is a friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like for it to be said of me as a preacher that I maintain the glory of God and defend the doctrines of his cross and I'm the friend of the old gospel while all the religious world is running off into every other direction besides what I've said this morning. I'd like to be that kind of preacher. I tell you, a man's friend must show himself friendly. And if you don't show yourself friendly and behave with tender care, for your friend. I'm talking about God. Did you know the Bible says the Lord thy God is a jealous God? He'll save you from 1,000 imperfections, but he will not call you his friend unless you are exceedingly careful to please him in all things. God's friends delight in the responsibility and thirst after this thing of being well-pleasing to God. I want to please God, don't you? I would love to please God 100%. And that's what it is to be a friend of God. You know, the Lord Jesus said, I, you are my friends if. You ever see that little if there? If. There's a qualification. You are my friends if you do the things I command you. <laughs> You're not his friend if you don't do what he says. Do you understand that? I hope I understand that. I tell you, we accept friendship with God on his own terms or we don't have any friendship with God. It's on his terms, not on our terms. And we are willing to bear anything to make us one with God. Aren't you willing? Oh, if I, anything necessary to bear, make me one with God. Make me God's friend. Be what it may, I desire to feel that heavenly influence which can make me forever the friend of God, whatever it takes. Because this is the only thing worthwhile. Nothing else makes any difference.
except to be the friend of God. That is of significant worth or consequence, isn't it? Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. He believed God about the Lord Jesus, that the Messiah would come and shed his blood. Abraham believed God, and God said, I'm going to put that to your account. I'm going to put the righteousness of my son to your account because you believe that he's coming to die in the stead of sinners. And it's imputed or put to your account for righteousness. And Abraham, after that, was called the friend of God. Oh, I sure do want to be his friend, don't you? I sure, what a revelation. Not only is the Lord Jesus our friend, but we're his friends. It's a friend-to-friend thing. Song of Solomon 5, 16, the church says, Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend the Lord Jesus Christ. Mother was listening to her daughter read the Bible. Little girl didn't know she was in the room. And a little girl read this. She read, Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. And that little girl said to the Lord, I like to hear you say that because you told me before that you were my friend, you were the sinner's friend, but I didn't know I was also your friend. Oh, boy, I'm also his friend. If we do these things he has told us to do, what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Trust in his blood. This is the Lord's commandment that you believe in him who he hath sent. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Do these things which I command. And when we do that, he calls us his friends. Now I address you as my friend. My friend, have you ever heard anything like that in all your life? That's the most astounding thing. And I tell you what, I don't believe that. What I just preached to you, I don't believe that. Except in the revelation of God. This is the most impossible thing that a human brain can think about. And yet in God's revelating power, I have believed it. And when I say I don't believe it, I mean in myself as a human being, I don't believe that but as the revelation of God in Christ, I have fully believed it and call him my friend. Amen. What a great blessing.